What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business Heard here on 94.3 WSC and simulcast on iHeartRadio, as well as Spotify and iTunes. My name is Eric Cox. I'm one of your hosts here for Beyond the Business with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood. Good morning, Leslie. Happy Saturday. Good morning, Low Country. And make sure and continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings. And talk to us on Facebook at Beyond the Business and also on Twitter at BTBCHS. Hard Happy to believe it. It's the middle of November. We got Thanksgiving coming up. Crazy stuff. And a quick shout out, by the way, for today. Later on today, actually, just in a little bit here, we have uh, the Mary Mark going on over at Palmetto Christian Academy off of Egypt Road from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Over 40 vendors, food trucks, and free admission. Come check it out. It's for a great cause. You're going to find some cool stuff. Uh, and it is a socially distant event. It's outside. So go check them out over at PCA today. Had to get that plug in for my kids. Had to get Yay. it in. How are you doing today, Leslie? I'm doing good. Doing good. Another Saturday morning. When you, I, I can't believe Thanksgiving is like less than two weeks away. Less than two weeks. It is here. Uh, hard to believe, but you know, Thanksgiving is about being thankful. And certainly one of the things I want to say about being thankful is that you have done this show now with me for years and years and years and years. We were what, six and a half years into this show and (laughs) the college of Charleston school of business has been an amazing sponsor and really done a great job of helping facilitate this show. So just thankful that uh, we have this opportunity, although not in person, still doing it through, uh, technology. Uh, The fact that the show continues is just amazing. And I'm so excited to have that opportunity. Well, you're welcome, and I enjoy it. So, this is good times, good times. One of the reasons we enjoy it so much is because week in and week out, we have these amazing guests who come on, and they share their wisdom and their knowledge and their stories, and just really is incredible to me after six plus years that we still have you know, that that level of knowledge and expertise being shared. And last week was no exception to the rule. We have Mr. John McCauley on. John is the CEO of Highland Paving out of Eastern North Carolina. And uh, John, again, thanks for being back here with us this week. And if you don't mind, for a quick second, we're going to talk about you like you're not in the room because technically you're not really in the room. You're, you're on the camera. You're not here. So, None okay? of us are in the room. That's perfect. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Um, so, Leslie, a great show last week, and um, share with our listeners, for those, the, the, the few out here listening that didn't get to listen last week, what was the takeaway for you? I know. It, well, the the whole, the first part of the first segment was just so interesting and amazing about his work 
work ethic. And I love the story about how on um, on John's 13th birthday at 3 a.m., his dad wakes him up and just says, childhood is over. Over, over. But also, along with that hard work, um, he was given the love of working and how important it was to enjoy what you do. And that played out in some of the decisions that he and his wife made um, when it came to being a lawyer and making sure that you enjoy enjoy work. So, if you didn't hear last week, you've got to go listen to it. It was an amazing story. Eric, I know you got some quotes. I know you got some takeaways. Actually, I don't have a quote this time. Um, I was so enthralled with kind of the story, but there's a theme that I took away, which was really, uh, as you were kind of referencing, the, the the influence of people in your life, right? And, you know, John talked a lot about his dad, as you mentioned, talked about his wife. You said the decision they made. I don't think that was a decision they made. It sounded like Kelly told him what he was going to do. <laughs> You're going to uh, That's it. it <laughs> and, you know, the, the fact that, again, having people in our life as a sounding board, having people in our life that can speak the truth to us, even when we don't want to hear it, I just really think that's so important. And, John, it sounds like certainly you've been blessed to have those people in your life. You know, I have. My father, obviously, was a big influence on me and um, and obviously my wife. But I've been, you know, even years and years later, the my dear friend Bill Hall, who passed away a month or so back, um, Bill was an incredible mentor and friend to me, and uh, I've been friends with Tommy Baker, uh, Baker Motor Company, for years and years. And Tommy's been an incredible resource for me, and not just business-wise; those are those are people I've been able to count on when when you en- encounter the in- unavoidable difficulties of life and people who give you the advice you don't want to hear but you need. Um, and th- those people have been important to me as well. Well, I think you're probably going to have a couple of stories of, of some of those twists and turns as we talk today. And for those that missed again last week, um, you know, you were talking about the fact that you, you you grew up in an entrepreneur household. You went off to law school. You ended up pursuing a, a legal profession for a while, but came to the realization that it just wasn't right. You made some other twists and turns, and then ultimately ended up you know, buying a defunct uh, business in the in the asphalt and paving world. And it sounds like kind of just put all your chips in the table and said, this is going to be our venture. And so let's go back and sort of reflect on that moment of jumping off the, I was, I was jumping off the ledge into the shallow pool. What was that like for you and Kelly at that time in terms of, Hey, we're going to put all of our chips into this new venture and um, the vision that you had to make it successful. Well, it, it when I decided that I wanted to do it, I, I went and told Kelly about it and She's she's really more courageous than I am in that sense. She never really questioned whether it was the right thing to do. She said, if you want to do it and you think it'll make money, then I have faith that it will. You just need to, to do it and not worry so much about it. Just, you know, she said, I know you'll work it to death and you'll make it you'll make it work somehow. And if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world anyway. And uh, I, I very much lack the ability to think like that. Um, I have a a business philosophy that Tommy Baker laughs at me over, and it is that only the paranoid survive. And <laughs> and so I can be a little paranoid about things, but um, she was very adamant that we do it. And, and then I went to see my dad and talked with him about it. And at first he thought I was crazy. And then he came back and, and decided that it was, it was a good idea. So and that validation was, helped quite a bit as well. Oh yes. Give you yeah. 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 So what was, what was this company called? It was that was Highland Paving. Okay, that and, was um, just a company. And at that time, we were just going to do 
paving. We weren't doing any grading work or preparation work. We were just doing paving and mainly parking lots and subdivisions and things of that nature. But, but the, you know, I was a crazy guy. A, I didn't, I underestimated the capital I was going to need, I think. And I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I, th- I thought that I had it all figured out like young people always do, but I was wrong. And then I did the crazy thing. I started this business in August of 2001. And I was literally just starting when the World Trade Centers were attacked. And things just stopped. And in Fayetteville, which is a military town, things really stopped because the place just emptied right out. And uh, and all the special forces there were deployed. The 82nd was deployed. And so it, it ended up being a really terrible time to start a business. And, um, and I can remember just sitting there watching the World Trade Centers and being horrified by all that and never really thinking that this is going to have a dramatic impact on my business. But in the following weeks, it, the realization hit me that, that you know, there's just not a lot of business out here and, and people are conserving money and they're not spending money on, on capital projects. And so it was a scary time. So How John, did you get through? Oh, oh. sorry. I, uh, I no, gonna, that's okay. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Because uh, number one, you said something that we've heard so many times on this show over and over and over again from our CEOs and entrepreneurs. Don't underestimate the capital that you're going to need. I mean, I hear that undercapitalization constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, I, I think you bring up a great um, moment for us to talk about on this show, which is the moments of extreme adversity as an entrepreneur and a business owner. And whether it's you know, what you went through at 9-11, whether it's the, the, the downturn of 08, whether it's COVID-19, you know, these moments are going to happen in our life. And every business is certainly impacted in a different way. But, but talk about as a leader... Um, a, just sort of how you kept your focus, your vision, knowing that this was a big deal. And secondly, how do you as a leader convey messaging um, in a positive light to your team during these times? Well, I think the first secret, the first secret is to be courageous and your people will sense whether or not you're fearful, whether or not you're nervous, whether or not you're um, worried about the survival of the company. And so I've learned that over the years, watching people respond to nothing that I might say particularly, but my mood, comments you might make, uh, lack of positivity. And, and it's hard. I mean, so right after 9-11, business wasn't great. But we were we were eking by. I had borrowed every cent I could borrow, built a new asphalt plant, bought new paving equipment, trucks, and all this. And I was just barely getting by. And New Year's Eve of 2001, going into 2002, uh, my office caught on fire and burned to the ground. And uh, I can remember being my home as literally a minute away from my office. And I remember getting the phone call that the office was on fire and I drove over there and, uh, and it was just burning and burning. And I crawled into the, the building to get my checkbooks and try to get a computer with my accounting information on it. And, uh, it, and I can remember standing there watching that building burn and being just distraught and despondent and thinking about all this money I've borrowed. And, uh, and I'm already sort of, 
contemplating the failure of it all and the embarrassment and the, the loss of the money and the failure of, of letting people down. And uh, it was about 11 o'clock that night. And I just thought about calling my dad and I did. And I said, you know, dad, the, the, my office is on fire. And he said, well, how bad is it? I said, well, I, th- I think it's going to burn all the way to the ground. And uh, I said, do you, you want to come down here? And he said, I'm not a damn fireman. I'm not a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> and and my mom told me later he went right back to sleep and that it, it, it never it, it never phased him and then the next morning at at, at five o'clock the sun was was just starting to come up I'm still there and the office is literally just a pile of rubble and the fire trucks are still there and my dad drives up and he rolls down his window and he says uh, what you gonna do and I said well I don't know Dad I don't I don't have I can't borrow any more money I'm out of money I can't. I, you know, I don't know what I don't know what I'm going to be able to do, but I guess I'll just sell all the assets I bought, try to pay back as much of the debt as I can, and go back to practicing law. And he looked down for a minute, and he looked up at me, and he said, "Well, I didn't think I raised a quitter, but maybe I did." And he rolled his window back up, and he drove off. And he called me later that day, and he said, "Son, everybody quits right now." He said, everybody quits, and that's why nobody makes it, because they quit. And this is the day where you prove you're not going to quit. He said, so figure it out. Go to work. Come up with a plan. Meet with your creditors. Tell people the truth. Work your way through it. And get back to me and tell me what your plan is. And that is the best advice an entrepreneur can get, in my opinion, which came from my father, and it is, you have to persevere. You cannot quit. And there are going to be days where it just looks like there's no possibility of survival. And you brought up 08. Same thing again, you know, it, 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 and I, I've got this 10-year belief that about every 10 years, you know, you get some kind of disaster that nobody can predict or plan for. Sure. And, you know. We all got through that. The financial industry got through 08. We lost lots of money from people not being able to pay us and had some terrible times in 08. And I'm on the board of a bank. And of course, that was terrible at the bank trying to deal with all of that. But uh, it works every time. If you just persevere and don't quit, even when it's hard and you just keep working, then it'll work out. And if your people see you doing that and they see you believing and, and struggling, They'll they'll respond to it. They, my employees have always responded when we've asked them to dig in and and go to work. People people want to do that. Wow, this <laughs> this is just amazing. So, what were some of the things that you had to learn to do to get out of these situations? How did your well, business change? Well, what what we did is. And I think it's always important. We went back and refocused on our core business. Let's mm-hmm. let's get down to what we know we can do and do well, and let's try to do more of that. And so we we really sort of simplified what we were doing. We met. I went and met with all my customers, and I went and met with with the banks, told them where I was, and I I went and asked for people's business. And the only way out of that hole was to get more business, and it's it's incredibly powerful if you go to people, friends, not friends, but if you go to them and say, listen, I really need your business. It's an enormously powerful thing. People respond to it in ways that it, you would think, well, everybody needs business, but that's if you're genuinely 
call on your customers and look them in the eye and say, I could be in some trouble here. I need your business. People want to help you. Entrepreneurs and business people want other people to succeed, especially young people. They really, really do. And if, if you give them an opportunity to help you, they'll help you. Yeah, powerful stuff, John. And, and particularly as you know, we're going through COVID nineteen, and mm-hmm. and I know there's a lot of businesses, a lot of people listening this morning, right, that are impacted by what, what's happening this year. And so these words of wisdom about how to get through it, and that the fact there is light in the tunnel. But you spoke a lot too about as a leader, there's people watching you, and they're feeding off of your example that you're setting. And so, um, great testament to how you navigate challenging times. Um, but you know, on the other side coin, there's good times too, right? And we talk about growth and building business, and obviously you've had a lot of success as a leader in that side of the coin. Talk a little bit about your vision um, and how you communicate that to, to your team of where you're going and not allow maybe um, the growth to become unresponsible growth. In other words, that you build and you grow and you have success, but not to such a degree that it ends up kind of you know, swallowing you whole. Well, we... I'm fortunate to have a really good team of people. I have a business partner who runs operations in our company, and we meet essentially continuously. I mean, we're we're talking to each other all day, every day, and we meet once a week, and we, we decide what the vision is. Um, and then we meet individually since COVID happened, and we found that individual meetings, as opposed to putting a lot of people in a room, have we've learned it to be significantly more powerful than at communicating where we are, where we want to go, than putting everyone in a room and doing it. And as much as teamwork matters and all those things, getting one person in a room and sitting down and talking with them, they will be more open with you than they might be in a group setting. And so rather than having the big staff meetings we used to have, we now do one-on-one meetings. And we found that those are great ways to talk about where we think things are going. And people will ask you, you know, we just had a meeting last week with a, the gentleman and he said, I want to know, are we going to grow? Are we in trouble? Is COVID hurting us? Are we still going to be able to grow our company? Or, you know, are you afraid? Should I be afraid? Should should my people be afraid? And, you know, it gives us a chance to respond to those concerns because some of those things are personal. People don't want to bring it up in a, in a group setting. And so COVID has, it's been damaging to our business, but at the same time, we've learned some lessons about communicating that, that maybe we didn't have enough individual communication before we started. But people pick up on your energy, you know, that they just, they're like animals. They sense when something's not quite right. And you, if you're trying to hide that something's not quite right, you have to be very careful about how you look, what you do, what you say, and um, and you need to be very consistent. That's what people want. So, moving forward, what does your business look like? What are some of the things that you are getting into? Well, we, we have always... We're a little different than most people in our industry. Most, most people in our business are either in the private paving business and they buy asphalt to, to place on parking lots or subdivisions, or they're a manufacturer who does lots of government work for the federal, state governments, and local governments, and that kind of thing. And we have very consciously decided to keep our fingers in all those pies. 
So we do an, a lot of private work. We do a we do a number of city streets and small work for government, small governments, and then we do large work. We're resurfacing I ninety five starting next week through Cumberland County in North Carolina, um, and so we do a broad spectrum of work, which makes us unique. But it and it's much more difficult to manage than it would be if we just chose a certain path. But because of our size, we have to be able to do everything because the people with whom we compete are doing a billion dollars a year of construction. And so we have to be able to move in and out of those different kinds of business. COVID hit, government work is dried up. They don't have the resources to build and maintain roads right now. So we've had to refocus on private work. And as the housing has been great, then we've been able to do more subdivision type of work. So you know, our business model is really being flexible, but we think there's growth in all of the Carolinas. Uh, North Carolina is experiencing a lot of what you're experiencing here in the Low Country, uh, around Wilmington, where you have a lot of migration out of uh, the big cities in the Northeast, in particular. And so, those communities along the coast are thriving, and we think we can benefit from that going forward. And I know you're certainly pulling for a big infrastructure bill, right? Well, we are. We are. It's it's, so, it's needed. So, John, um, one of the things we'd love to talk about with our, our our guests on this show that are successful, and certainly, congrats on everything that you've been able to to accomplish, is is the balance of life. Talk a little bit about how do you balance being a CEO, managing a company, managing people with home life and, and not even just your family, but also just balance for you personally? Yes. Your wife hasn't told you to walk away from this one uh, yet, huh? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. You know, I, I, I have to confess that I'm not very good at that. I, I'm better in the last three or four years than I was. And I think it's just, um, you know, as you get more experience in life, you, you get wisdom. And I just began to to realize that, that you know, our time here is more limited. And it didn't really hit me until I turned 50. But at 50, I began to look and say, you know, you're working all the time. You're worrying all the time. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't play golf. I don't play tennis. I don't, you know, and so I, I just work all the time. And then um, I decided that I would go. I work. I leave here on Sunday mornings, uh, fly back to North Carolina, and I work in the office all afternoon on Sundays, and I work until Thursdays at noon, and then I leave, and I come to Charleston. And uh, my wife is here, and so I get to spend the weekend with, with her. My children are, are out of college now, but they both live in the Charleston area. And so uh, I've just learned to go really hard when I'm working, and then when I leave, to walk away from it. And uh, that is a lesson I learned from Tommy Baker, who who taught me and told me, you're you're burning, you're you're running too hard. You're you're going to run out of energy. You're going to burn out. You have to find a way to unplug from it. And so it's really just a discipline more than anything else, because no entrepreneur likes to leave stuff undone. Right. The, do the kids have any interest in the asphalt industry? Well, they don't have an interest in the asphalt industry in Fayetteville. That's that's the problem. <laughs> you know, my, my son, my daughter just graduated. Of- yeah, my daughter just graduated from Wake Forest last spring, and my son graduated from the College of Charleston a couple of years back. And they, uh, you know, Charleston just absorbs people, and and they just love it here, and so they don't really have any desire to go move back to North Carolina at this point. And who knows? It may change, but. Um, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't certainly don't pressure them to come back. And uh, I've got a great business partner. If something were to happen to me, I, I, the business would be fine. If something were to happen to him, it'd be fine. And so, you know, we just uh, we're going to let them grow up, decide what they want to do. They have to figure it out. And I'm actually going to play on that a little bit because I remember last week when you were talking about your dad and when he was um, in the convenience store business about making sure that they had planning in place, the buy sales and all that good stuff. And you're talking about now that you have a partner and you'll put in contingencies. What has been the value for you, uh, John, in regards to leaning on third-party advice and professionals, your CPAs, your bankers, your folks like myself that are in the uh, financial planning and investment business that help help navigate sort of the outside realm of the business while you focus on working in the business? Well, I think the most important thing you can have as a business person are are great advisors who know their roles, are good at what they do, and aren't afraid to tell you the truth. And lots of people that I see in business, young people, they fall into the trap of of getting advice from people who tell them what they want to hear. And and your business, you know, where better than anyone else, you're not doing your client a favor. And one of the reasons your firm is successful is you you, you tell people the the truth, and you know you can all it's 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 difficult to hear it sometimes, but you need a great relationship with people who will give you bad news quickly, and and tell you when they think you're making a mistake, and if you're not willing to to do that, you're gonna sell yourself out of a lot of success in life, and I I think it's really critically important to have a good relationship with your bank. You know, if you don't have a good relationship with your bank and you're not working that relationship all the time, you're you're going to get – because capital needs are going to come. You don't know when or why, but they're coming. Well, incredible. We go back to you know, relationships, talking about you know Kelly telling you the truth back when it was time to leave the legal profession, your dad telling you the truth about not giving up, your advisors telling you the truth about what you need to hear in terms of being successful in it. It's all about the relationship and having people in your life that can speak truth into you. So thanks for reiterating that. Uh, Leslie, I think we got time for a little lightning round a little before lightning we end the show round. today. Awesome, awesome. All right, John, I've got a couple of quick and easy questions for you, just so we can get a feel for who who John is. What is the best book you've ever read? Uh, Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand. Best movie ever? The Outlaw Josie Wales. <laughs> the, thing you, the thing you are most proud of, besides your kids, of course. I'm most proud of being able to build a business that feeds 200 families. Wow. And number one thing on your bucket list? Oh, I would love to go to Australia. Awesome. 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 All right. And what would the Australia trip involve? (laughs) Well, I I would like to go black marlin fishing on the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, I'd like to see the outback, and and I'd, I'd like to catch New Zealand while I'm in the neighborhood. Sounds like awesome. a pretty cool trip. Absolutely. Well, again, people you know, stories you don't. John McCauley, CEO of Highland Paving, thank you so much for just, again, um, delivering on, on a great uh, content for our listeners and really, I think, providing a lot of inspiration today. We truly appreciate yeah. it. Well, thank you. Your show helps me a lot as a, as a business person. Again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business, as well as Coastal Wealth Management, heard here on 94.3 WSC and simulcast on iHeartRadio. You can also check us out via iTunes or Spotify. Simply type in Beyond the Business or go to the CoastalWM.com website and check out the 
radio icon. Uh, one last shameless plug for Palmetto Christian Academy going on right now until noon. Go over there and check out their Merry Mart outdoors. Over 40 vendors, food trucks, and free admission. Going to be a great Saturday afternoon. Uh, cool way to spend it. And again, to our loyal listeners week in and week out, we so appreciate you tuning in. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.